lose everyone. I'm back, baby. It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great. Everybody else sucks. Oh, huh. oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? But, but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. It is all in sports. It's Jake Seeley. You know me, or maybe you don't. Maybe you came in from my amazing guest today. And if you don't, I am over there at The Athletic. I'm the senior writer at All In Kid. And if you're not a member of The Athletic, which would be surprising at this point, especially because you can get 40% off, we have our draft kit out, over 50 articles in it right now, and they're still coming because we're just getting to draft season now. But if you go to theathletic.com slash... If you go to theathletic.com slash All In Sports, the name of the show... 40% off your first year. So do that, sign up, enjoy it. But we're going to talk a lot of fantasy football today because that's what everybody's getting ready for. Like I said, the drafts are coming. And let's get into the show with uh, one of the the funnest guys, I would say, to be around in the business every time I see him in person and hang out. And the very first time I ever saw him and hung out with him was a great time in Vegas years ago. I don't know if you remember that. It's Marcus Grant at Marcus G. It's two A's, by the way, spell his name correctly, of the NFL Network. And like I said, Marcus, I don't know if you remember that draft out in Vegas. uh, And I don't know if you remember, like, the thing that stuck with me is just the way that you did the most perfect sound of crickets I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, a, a League of Leagues, the original League of Leagues. Uh, like, you know, you, me, uh, Dave Damashek. That's uh, where I, I met a lot of people. I met you. I met Pat Mayo there. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, first Adam time Rank I met and you guys. Co. Yeah, Rank and Co. were there. This first time I met you guys in person. It was a good time. Yeah, no, it was great. I remember, like, one of the things I remember is uh, Co. You know, we all, since me and, and, and Rank and, and James drove out together from Los Angeles, we decided to stop and, you know, get some beverages for the draft or whatever. And um, I think we started at, like, 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like, most everybody's, you know, trying to take it light because it's going to be a long day, maybe having a beer or something kind of like, something kind of light and easy. Co was like going in on the tequila at like <laughs> 10 o'clock in the morning. It was like, James, slow down, bro. Was, uh, for people that don't know, it was three different leagues too. It was baseball, basketball, and football all drafted at the same time. So around noon, what we're, I don't even know if we were like, what, the 10th, 12th round, somewhere around there. And yeah, Co was already like into the wind at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was, that was a fun time, no doubt. That was a good time. And uh, speaking of good times, let's talk fantasy football. Is here. The draft month is about to be here to kick off this weekend. If people want to use Hall of Fame weekend, football starting. Bad news at the first point for this one that we got to get to your opinion, Marcus, is the A.J. Green situation. Initially, it sounded like, yeah, he might be ready for week one, but we're going to be conservative. We'll call week one 50-50. Week two or three should be around. Then we get the news yesterday where – it doesn't seem like that's even possible anymore. Now, the quote, if you didn't see it, Marcus, and everybody out there, was actually, we hope we get him for the first half of the season. That, that's, a, that's a big downgrade. I updated my projections and have him around nine games played, and that puts him at wide receiver 43. How do you feel about that? Is that too high, too low? Are you in on A.J. Green? Or are you just not going to touch him at this point? I mean, what are you doing if you're drafting this weekend? Yeah, I'm I'm staying away from AJ Green, and that makes me sad because I think he's one of those guys that has always been criminally underrated. Um, I I have for years 
described AJ Green as being the innocent bystander in in Andy Dalton drive by slander, and you know like. <laughs> Yeah, it's like everybody kind of, you know, dumps on Dalton. And I think A.J. Green sort of pays the price for some it's of that. But now, <laughs> yeah. And so, like, now, but now, if, if we're really talking about, I mean, I think the fact that they're talking about halves of seasons, right, that's bad news. And, and you know, it's not optimistic. It's like we're hoping to have him back for the first half of the season. So that means we could be looking at week eight, week nine. Suddenly the Bengals are coming back and saying, yeah, we're not sure. He's not progressing. It just it 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 feels so uncertain that um, I shouldn't say I'm staying completely away from him. Obviously, if, if we get somewhere deep in a draft, if we get to, you know, round eight, nine and, and maybe double digits, he's still sitting there. Then why not take a chance on him and, and hope that, you know, if he comes back, then suddenly you have a, a wide receiver, one caliber player on your roster. But uh, yeah, the the fear is palpable, I think, when you talk about A.J. Green now. <laughs> So let's take it a step further. And I'm sure you've seen the same thing is as soon as the initial injury happened, even for those first two, three games, whatever, everybody started talking about Tyler Boyd. And I'm sure you saw it was there was numerous tweets about Tyler Boyd's numbers are actually worse when AJ Green has been out. I understand coming from that angle, but where are you on that? Because part of me sits back and says, Tyler Boyd's still developing. That's a small sample size on top of it. I don't know how much weight. I do note it. I do put it in the back of my mind, but I don't know how much weight I want to put into Tyler Boyd is worse when AJ Green's not on the field for what we've, what we've seen so far. I don't think is enough to say that's a definitive statement for this season. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's a definitive statement for the season, but it is something I think to note. I mean, I think, I think, yeah, while obviously it's understandable that everybody heads in the Tyler Boyd direction, I think maybe the, the big gainer in this whole thing probably ends up being Joe Mixon. I think what we've seen in the past, um, you know, and look, the, the Bengals could be a different situation because we have no idea what Zach Taylor is going to do. Uh, we just don't know. But, you know, I think in a lot of times these situations, you end up seeing the pass catching running back sort of gain out of this. And, you know, we already know that Mixon is going to get a heavy workload. He is going to be in the conversation, you know, for a solid RB1 if things shake out the way we expect they will. Uh, suddenly, you know, maybe he ends up, maybe not quite Saquon Barkley levels of usage, but something close to that. If they don't feel like they have a consistent downfield threat, if Tyler Boyd can't be the guy to get open, suddenly you're looking at, you know, Joe Mixon absorbing somewhere in the area of 80, 90 targets. And that might end up being more of an impact than what Tyler Boyd gives you. So if you're drafting to again with this whole conversation and obviously John Ross is hurt right now and now you're talking about going way down this depth chart of the Ericsson's, the core. Uh, if you look at it, you're, you're saying this definitely could be help Joe Mixon. Are, what would you say to the people because you see this a lot with the Barkley argument of why he shouldn't be number one is, uh, well, if the offense is struggling as a whole, I don't care if Joe Mixon's seen 80% of the touches they just might not be that good of touches because of the offense. Like, I feel like you're on the other side of like, hey, I don't care. Touches are touches, baby. I mean, yeah, it kind of is. I, I think, look, I, I have been on record as, as saying I'm not a huge fan of, of PPR. Um, but I like it. Look, <laughs> um, I know, but look, obviously this is the way of the world. And this is, that's the, those are the leagues that a lot of people play in now. And, and if we're talking about, you know, if we're talking about good offense versus bad offense, I mean, nobody was scared of Saquon Barkley, even though the Giants offense was a verifiably bad offense last year. But he got so many touches and he got so many opportunities and he's a talented player. And Joe Mixon sort of fits those qualifications. You know, even if it's a bad offense in Cincinnati, 
if he is if he is getting that many touches, he is a verifiably talented player. And, and so that level of opportunity, um, even in a bad offense, I think sort of transcends. And especially if you know if he stays on the field for three downs or, or most of three downs, and he's getting the ball like you know 80% of the time. It's probably an exaggeration, but if he's getting the ball <laughs> a lot, um, you know, I think I just think I think that level of opportunity sort of supersedes how bad the Bengals could potentially be. It might be watch Tyler Eifert's season is finally here. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if we can get more than like you know five games out of Tyler Eifert, let, we'll talk then. <laughs> yeah, that'll be very nice. All right, so let's talk about another injury situation, which depending on how close people are paying attention to the news, you might have seen, you might not have, because it's kind of there, but it's kind of not. Andrew Luck isn't 100%, but the report, we finally got a little bit about him yesterday. I don't know if you saw the clip, but we were trying and trying and trying to get him to say how severe the injury was. And he's like, I don't want to speak in hypotheticals. Blah, blah, blah. And he finally went and kind of gave us a little bit of an insight that said, look, I've been playing through more significant injuries in the past. So sounds like without saying it, you know, if it was Sunday and it was a real season game, he would be out there. But we do have a bad taste in our mouths from Andrew Luck from two years ago when everything was going to be fine and everything was going to be fine and everything was going to be fine. Is there any concern in your mind with Andrew Luck? Yes, but it is. It's for the reasons you mentioned that we all got burned a couple of years ago. Um, you know, and so it, it's hard to sort of put any stock in things like that. And look, I, I know that, you know, before it was a different coaching staff when we went through this whole thing about the shoulder. Um, but, you know, the, the Colts, I think, have sort of, as an organization, I think lost credibility when they talk about this sort of thing because, you know, obviously they want their franchise quarterback to be out there. They don't want to let that much information out. But it just, it just you know, felt like we got strung along for basically two years with Andrew Luck. And so I think there's, I think there's, you know, I just think there's a lot of hesitation there. And I think that's, I think that's why you got the answer from Luck or the non-answer from Luck uh, for so long that you did. I think he understands that too. I think he realizes that, you know, the, the organization and probably him as well, like less than forthcoming about how things were going. Uh, and I think there, there was a little bit of a backlash by, it. I mean, obviously for, for fantasy, there definitely was, but I think from Colts fans as well, who want to see their star quarterback out there, there was some of that backlash. And so I think they, they want to tread lightly. Uh, but yeah, in fact, I think it was Evan Silva not long ago posted a, a tweet from like mid-May uh, talking about the calf strain for Andrew Luck. And now here we are at the end of July and they're, they're still talking about this lower leg injury, this you know, potential ankle calf, whatever it is. Um, and yeah, it, it's as the, you know, as the classic quote goes, it's deja vu all over again. I think everybody's just a little bit worried. <laughs> All right, so look, the Marlon Mack side of things, you, for people out there, you're either going to own a lot of Marlon Mack or none because it's whether or not you believe he's a fringe RB1. We don't need to go down that road. It's just how you feel about Marlon Mack. T.L. Hilton, people know T.L. Hilton. The next couple pieces, that's the question a lot of people are dealing with right now. Where are you on Devin Funches versus Paris Campbell, and where are you on touching the tight ends now that Jack Doyle's back and Eric Ebron was a touchdown master but at the same time, Jack Doyle is back. So basically everybody else except for the names we know. Yeah, look, I think I've probably taken more chances on Paris Campbell than Devin Funches. I, I, I thought that was a good signing for them. Just from a pure football standpoint, I thought it was a good signing. I think Funches can be a good red zone uh, guy for them. And it was like a one-year deal. Like it, I don't think there's a lot of risk involved. Um, but 
for for fantasy, we're talking about youth and upside, and and that is what Paris Campbell offers. You know, he's a guy that we know has tons of speed and can stretch the field. Uh, you know, I feel like it's a cop out saying this, but he's a great <laughs> best ball option, right? Like he's that guy. Uh, that, I hate that. I hate that. So you know, it is. It's such. I know it's a cop out, right? It's one of I those know. like, uh, I don't know what to do. Let's just say best ball. Um, but he really kind of is because he he has that potential to put up some huge games. But he also has the potential to, you know, give you the one catch for 17 yards sort of game, too. So, um, but I feel, still think I feel a little bit stronger about him than I do about Funches. I, and look, I'm a guy who loved Jack Doyle when he burst on the scene a couple of years ago. But I think there's something to this Ebron deal, you know. I mean, there was a reason the Lions so many years ago went out and spent a lot of draft capital to get him. They believed in his talent. And it never quite materialized in Detroit. But I think we saw a lot of it last year in Indianapolis. And so even though Doyle is back, um, I still believe in, in Ebron. I, you know, the touchdown number comes down this year. I think, I think that's safe to say. Uh, but I still think the opportunities, the targets will be there, the yards will be there. And even if, you know, those touchdowns get cut in half from 14 to 7, uh, in, in a tight end world, that's a pretty good number. It is still a pretty good number. It's just, I hate looking at, see, for, I don't know how you have yours, but for mine, it's the big three. It's the next three after that. And then the tier after that is the Ebron and Joku and basically the guy I hate the most, Jared Cook. And I see, <laughs> like, I feel like I should go apologize to Njoku because I feel like he got lumped into that group of two guys I really hate for fantasy and Ebron and Cook of not being able to predict them and being touchdown heavy in their hands, like all that. And I feel like I don't own any Njoku just because like it's by association and I, I like I feel bad for him. <laughs> That's funny because I, I do like Njoku. I, I, I've picked him up in a number of places. I don't know that I have any Ebron and I just – I just can't believe in Jared Cook. I mean, I know he look, he, he waited, what, 10 years, 12 years to have a career season, and we're supposed <laughs> to expect that, like, this is just going to happen again? Like, I, I'm not buying into that one. Well, hold on. You're 100% right, and that's why I hate Jared Cook so much. But let's also be uh, let's be real about his career season. For And I know you know this, and I'm not saying you don't. But let's be real and look at the fact that last year, his career season was still only six double-digit games. Like, he still had a ton of threes and fours and frustrating. Like, he was still Jared Cook. He was just better Jared Cook. He was better Jared Cook, and we were so thirsty for any tight end production last year that it was like, hey, man, true. this guy's giving us something. Like, let's go with it. Uh, that is, yes, that is 100% true. All right. So, well, surprisingly enough, I don't even know if you know this off the top of your head. Did you know Trey Burton finishes the tight end one last year? Like, as bad as that season was, Trey Burton was number seven. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's how bad last year was how for people that want to go back and look how rudolph wasn't even in the top 15 and then those final two weeks that he blew up and had that two touchdown game pushed him all the way up to eight that's how bad wow. it was last year all right wow let's talk about other bad things this is a very bad show to start so far this is not surprising it's me ezekiel elliott sounds like they're ready to give him his contract Melvin Gordon sounds like we could be heading down the Le'Veon Bell path, but unlike Le'Veon Bell, he can't sit out the entire year and still get his year of eligibility. He would have to play at least the six games. All that being said, two different players, two different scenarios, both having the same situation and holding out for more money. Are you taking Zeke as one of the first three off the board? And where are you taking Gordon with his news? And I'm assuming, are you more scared of Gordon than you are of Zeke? Definitely more scared of Gordon than Zeke. I, I, the Cowboys will get something done with Zeke. I, I just believe it. Um, side note, though, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, so me continuing to be the lone voice standing in the desert yelling against the crowd. Um, 
<laughs> as somebody who has like sort of felt like the running backs don't matter theory has gone overboard. Just um, a little bit. <laughs> right. Like now all of a sudden you've got Jerry Jones out here saying this. And so I hope all of you people realize what side of, of history you're standing on right now that you have made, <laughs> work, you have made work easier for the owners. So like the next time there's a CBA negotiation and the players you feel like are getting squeezed on this thing. Remember every time you tweeted running backs don't matter, you helped an owner. So that's all. Um, but that being said, I still think the Cowboys will get something done with Zeke. He is too important to that ball club to not bring him in there and get something done. So I still feel confident taking him as one of the first three or four guys off the board. Uh, I still think he's going to be there when the lights come on and when it really matters. And good for him, man. Taking some time off going to Cabo, man. I wish I could do that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm confident with him. With Melvin Gordon, I see that I see that ADP plummeting right now. And, you know, he's well into the second round. I think that as long as this continues, we'll see him fall into the third and fourth. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, the, I think Lev Bell is a cautionary tale because remember everybody tried to be optimistic and tried to hope. And then, you know, we, we held on to that whole thing last year of, well, you know, he's got to be back by was it week nine. Uh, he's got to be back by week nine. And then suddenly like week seven hits and they're like, yeah, he doesn't have to be back by week Thank nine. You. I, keep, <laughs> I keep bringing that up as like, nobody seems to remember that. Nobody seems to remember that. We were all being told he had to play. Yeah. Week seven's like, oh, no, he doesn't. Right. Yeah. I mean, we had we, been talking to this and everybody's like, okay, well, you know what? Yeah, it sucks. You can't trade him. You're stuck with this anchor. But week nine, you'll be fine. And I think we had like Aditi Kinkabrala come on our podcast around like week six or seven. And she's like, hey, by the way, there's a clause in it or there's, you know, the way the CBA works or whatever. He doesn't have to come back by week nine. And there was like this collective, uh-oh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so it was that feeling of like when you show up for like your class in college and it's like your report was due today and you're like i thought it was next week oh crap right like, yeah right. right and so you know but because of that you're seeing the melvin gordon adp plummet and and you know as long as this is as this continues if we start to get you know into late august and, and he still has his heels dug in and the chargers have their heels dug in um you know melvin gordon's going to be a double digit round guy uh until we get some sort of proof that these two sides are coming together so where are you on the backfield without Gordon? Because there's, I, I hate the truthers because that's almost a cliche word at this point, but there's the supporters of Eckler. There's the supporters of Jackson. We've seen some reports from the team about, oh, Jackson looks great, but it's still, it's training camp and offseason. Everybody always looks great. You've got to be more concerned if somebody says somebody doesn't look great. That's what you need to look <laughs> So where are you? Because I kind of feel like the, I, 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 in my opinion, I'll give you my first, I think it'll be a very split backfield. And even if I'm wrong, I still don't feel like the ADP should be a five-round difference. I feel like their ADP should be closer together, similar to the Broncos. No, absolutely. I think they should definitely be within a round or so of each other um, because I think you're right. I think that this is going to be a very split backfield. And um, I don't necessarily love either of them because I think they're going to share the workload fairly equally. And the thing about it is I don't, I don't feel like either one of them is talented enough to necessarily transcend having those, that level of split touches. You know, I think yeah. they'll, they'll both be fine for the chargers, you know, uh, and we've seen Eckler be productive, although, you know, we saw in, in games where there wasn't Melvin Gordon around and they asked him to carry a heavier workload that he wasn't quite as productive. Um, but, you know, he's a good pass catcher. He's a great change of pace bag. I think Jackson can sort of, you know, be more of a, I guess a hammer, if you will, in, in that offense, but I don't know that either one of them, you know, look, I think in the past we've seen backfields that have sort of been greater than the sum of their parts. I don't necessarily know that this Charger backfield can do that without Melvin Gordon. I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be good enough for them to, to compete in the division and be, become a playoff team. But I don't know that somehow – 
uh, the combination of Austin Eckler and, and Justin Jackson makes everybody forget that Melvin Gordon exists. Okay, uh, so let me ask you this: in the first round, or well, it, it was he's the player would have to go in the first round. Let's throw out whether or not at the fifth or sixth pick you would take a wide receiver. Let's just talk pure running back here for a second. In the top four running backs, we know what the big four are. We know it's Barkley, Zeke, Kamara, and Christian McCaffrey. If you want to poke holes in any of them, if you want to say you whatever, I, you can make a case for anyone. It seems the big question we all know is number five. And I think you could list off about eight names you take at number five, and I'd be like, eh, fine. I'm not, I'm not going to say you're crazy to do so. Throw Nick Chubb into it, even with Kareem Hunt coming back at the end of the season. Like, Kareem Hunt... Uh, maybe doesn't even get that much involved, but you know him, Dalvin Cook, Le'Veon Bell, with the concerns of the Jet. Like, there's a lot of names. If it's you, Marcus, and you have the fifth running back again, forget like whether or not what wide receivers are there. It's the fifth running back off the board, and you're making that decision. Where where are you leaning for your fifth running back? Uh, I'm I'm gonna go back digging in the crates again and go. I'm gonna go back to David Johnson. Uh, you know who who treated me so well a few years ago with his big breakout season and just. You know, this belief that the Cardinals will figure out how to use him again. Um, I think the difference between he and Le'Veon Bell is that David Johnson has a coach that openly wants him on the team. Um, you know, he doesn't have a coach <laughs> that, that seems skeptical about his, uh, you know, his presence on the roster. Um, you know, and, and part of it is yeah, me admittedly drinking some of this, this Kingsbury Kool-Aid about what this offense can do. But, you know, you talk about opportunity. I mean, there should be opportunity if they can run this up-tempo successfully and run as many plays as, as they hope to. And the fact that they want to move him around the formation and have him out in the slot occasionally, as well as, you know, running out of the shotgun. I, I, I just think these are things that, that have me excited about him. And, and I think I've, I've been excited to see Johnson sort of moving up ADP-wise over the summer because I felt like at the start of the, the spring and summer, he was too low. Uh, and I think people have slowly started to come around and see what, what the potential is there in that offense. So, um, yeah, I think that's the guy I'd be going with in that spot. Well, let, me, let me ask you a question then a little bit on David Johnson because he seems to be turning into – the consensus number five, more so, not a hundred percent, but it seems like the majority of the people are starting for all the reasons you just said. Let me paint a scenario and just say, hey, let's say we get to week two and three of the preseason, and maybe the offense isn't clicking. Maybe this is like go back to the Chip Kelly world. Maybe the offensive line is still an issue. Maybe Kyler Murray's hitting some bumps. Is there? I'm going to present it more of like an analytical. You what you're watching for with the Cardinals? Of is there something that you're watching where you're going to say, you know what? I'm changing my mind. I'm not on David Johnson. Or are you just kind of set now with the, there's going to be bumps anyway, and compared to everybody else, I'm still going to stick with David Johnson all the way through the preseason. Yeah, I think I'm going to stay with him. I mean, I guess short of anything short of we watched them in the preseason and their offense looks like it did last year under Mike McCoy, where they just are lining Johnson up as a traditional running back and slamming him into the offensive line say, again. running him off center every day. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, he's just like slamming into the back of the guard or something like that every couple of plays. And yeah, maybe, uh, you know, I washed my hands of the whole affair. But uh, I mean, I think the, the expectation is that, yeah, this, this isn't going to suddenly become a nine or 10 win team overnight. I mean, they were what three and 13 last year. I think, you know, a, a solid improvement for them would be five or six wins this year. Um, so they're going to be bumps. And I think the fact that this is a, a team that offensively will probably have to throw the ball a lot, especially in the second half. Uh, and again, in, in this PPR world that we live in, I mean, David Johnson is going to be the guy who gets a lot of touches there. So I, I still feel okay with him. So let's pivot to another team. And before I get to what I was initially going to ask you about the Redskins, let me ask you this. Who has more wins this year, the Cardinals or the Redskins? Oof. 
I wow. Uh, I think I say Cardinals. Yeah, I think I say Cardinals too. Just because you know, in the East, you still have the you got the Eagles, you got the Cowboys to deal with. Um, you know, those two I think are, are going to be playoff teams, and I think they're they're going to get fat on you know at least the other two teams in the division. Yes, I would agree with you there. <laughs> so. I want to talk, so we know about the Trent Williams situation and part of the concerns and part of the frustrations of, I'm sure, that fan base is dealing with what seems to be the worst run medical situation in the entire NFL. <laughs> so Trent Williams is there. They signed Donald Penn, which is a lot of people have pointed to as a, tell, a telltale sign that Trent Williams isn't going to be playing, like whether he pulls the Le'Veon Bell or whatever it is, they're making do for life without him. Uh, Darius Geis is somebody that I was high on a few months ago. Started to cool off a little bit, some because of the offensive line, some because he initially had a little bit of a setback, but it seems fine now. But I'd get your opinion on Darius Geis because this is where I was coming from is that I look at the same exact injury as Dalvin Cook had last year, and Dalvin Cook was 100% by the middle of the season, around week eight or nine. Darius Geis, timeline-wise, was ahead of that to the point where he should be, if he follows the same path as Dalvin Cook, obviously, should have been 100% by week one. At the same time, this offense looks like it's going to be miserable, even if they start Dwayne Haskins week one, which I'm a huge fan of. It still looks like this offensive line, the offense in general, like this could drag down Geis, even if you're a fan of him. Are, do you own Geis in any of your leagues so far? Are you looking for him, or are you staying away from this offense as much as possible? Yeah, I, I don't think I have anything. I don't think I have any Washington players uh, at all this <laughs> year. I, I, just, I don't. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't want that headache. Um, you know, I guess Geis is the only one that has even slightly intrigued me. But, you know, the offensive line issues, the offensive line was was questionable before the Trent Williams situation. Now that he's not there, that's uh, an even right. bigger hole there. Yeah, look, Donald Penn has been a quality offensive lineman for a long time. But the key is a long time. I mean, he is not exactly a young player anymore that you're putting in this offensive line. Um, in fact, they even saw something that they might be starting Eric Flowers. Potentially I on saw the that. Um, if he's even yeah. in the name of the conversation for the, the, the job, that just tells you. How yeah, that. no, thanks, man. I mean, so like that, that had me concerned enough to begin with that offense is just a complete mess. And, and, you know, then, then once you, know, you, you heard about the, the injury situation, I just, at that point, I, whatever little interest I had at that point, just completely evaporated. And that's certainly fair. So no Trey Quinn. And then nobody. How about this one? This is what I got the other day, Marcus. It's just how far he's fallen. How about Josh Doxson in a nineteenth round? Oh, yeah. I think I, there was a couple of drafts where I looked at him and I just, I just couldn't do it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm gonna have to pass. Josh Doxson's turning into the Devonte Parker, Kevin White type of like man. Always what it could have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny too because wait, where was Kevin? Isn't Kevin White in Arizona? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> That, that, he's, hey, he's hanging around there yeah he's with the 17 other wide receivers that they have Farrell Cooper's there by the way too I don't know if you knew that <laughs> no I didn't you know like, it's funny because when, when Kevin White got drafted I ended up taking him in a dynasty rookie draft and I held on to him for a couple of years like hoping and waiting and finally I think last year I was like that's enough that's we all did <laughs> you know it's like especially because like I had him, and then I had, like, Laquan Treadwell, and I'm like, I can't have two anchors. I can't have oh, two yeah. albatrosses on this roster. Like, one of them has to go. You should have found a way just for the hell of it, just to put, like, Parker and, like, D <laughs> who else could we have put on that team? Darrell Green Beckham before he got out. Of <laughs> I could have just thrown all those guys in. Oh, man. 
uh, I, I want to save the Cardinals. We're going to come back to them because I'm really excited. I'm saving that purposely for the last topic because there's something you tweeted out and I'm so happy about it. We're going to save it, but we got a few more to get to real quick. The Dolphins, which you know, I just brought up for that reason, is that offense just kind of, oh my God. Let's start at the quarterback position because the reports are so far, Fitzpatrick is the guy. Fitzpatrick's far outplaying Josh Rosen. On the NFL side of things, Marcus, uh, I'm the one I'm sitting here saying, just start Josh Rosen. Like you potentially fell into a lotto pick. It didn't cost you anything because the Saints traded up. If he's going to bust, find out and then find out if you have to redraft the quarterback next year. On the flip side, you know, he still has to look at least capable on the field. He at least needs to give Fitzpatrick a competition for that. And then we know of Fitzpatrick. We know who he is. We know you're going to get four great games and he's going to blow up at some point. So with the quarterback situation that sketchy, are you in on any of these receivers? Because I, I don't know if you – are you part of the uh, Burt train out there? Are you part of that with the – The Burt the Bert alert? The Burt alert. alert. Oh, yeah. No, that uh, – yeah, obviously, that was a thing that, that was originally created by Matt Harmon. But the, the right. fantasy stronghold when we were still intact at, at the NFL, yeah, we all adopted it and we promoted the heck out of it. So, yeah, I – you know, I enjoy the Burt alert. Look, I think he's a good receiver. I don't want him on my fantasy team, though. Like, I don't think he's <laughs> going to offer enough for me to, to actually draft him unless you were talking, like, very last pick sort of thing. So I, I haven't gotten in on, on any of the, the Dolphins receivers. I sort of laugh because, you know, we got to OTAs. You start seeing tweets about the, hey, I know you've heard this before, but Devontae Parker is really blowing up at practice. And it's like, come on, man. Like, you know, was it, was it, you fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, not, not going to get fooled again. Like sort of the thing. Like, not I'm even just twice, not. Marcus. It's like seven right. at this point. Right. It's like, I'm, you know what? I'm not. I, I just, I'm not buying in on this. So like, I can't do it. I, um. Yes, for the quarterback thing, I like Josh Rosen. I liked him. I thought, you know, coming out of the draft, I thought he was the guy who was most ready to play right away out of that that quarterback draft class. Uh, He got, you know, stuck in a terrible situation, obviously, in Arizona. They gave up on him after one year, uh, even though they, you know, they they put him in an awful situation to be successful. Bad offensive line, like, you know, no real weapons on the outside. Um, And then suddenly they're like, yeah, this guy's not working out. We're going to switch gears like that. (laughs) You know, so that kind of – and look, I'll tell you this. Like, as a Trojan alum, like, this – it sort of makes me a little bit queasy that I have to stand here and defend a Bruin. But this is where we are right now in 2019. Um, so, I, I, I'm with you. Play him. You know, you're the Dolphins. You're, you're not expecting to compete this year. You are in an obvious rebuilding mode. Um, why not see what you've got there? You know, you know you've got a quality backup in Ryan Fitzpatrick if it comes to that, if, if it comes out that he just really craps the bed, Rosen does – uh, and you can't play him, then you go, you go to Fitzpatrick, and what have you really lost at this point? Because nobody's right. expecting anything out of you. Uh, I will say, though, um, I have taken some late-round dart throws at Kalen Balage, uh, just because I, I think he's going to try to push for more opportunity. Again, if, if the Dolphins are really about seeing what they have, then I think that means giving Kalen Balage some opportunities, and, and he's a guy who's a potential home run hitter when he gets the ball enough. And you know what the funny thing is, and I, I know I poo pooed all over the uh, the best ball situation, but this is he's the only. Best ball. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was gonna say there's one more. That's this, this is the only place I've even drafted this player. Is let me just throw out a scenario of this regime has no ties to Drake and Balage. They did draft and was an undrafted free agent. They and it was late in the draft, but they did draft Miles Gaskin. I'm not saying I think Gaskin's starting over either one of them as of today. I'm just saying. I see a scenario where I might as well throw a dart on him too, because who knows who the, you know, again, there's no ties to the former running backs that are on this team. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, he, he's definitely worth a, you know, you're talking about you know, some deeper leagues into the draft. 
why not? Why not throw that Hail Mary and see, you know, if by week 10 or 11, the, the Dolphins are just trying whatever they have in the backfield. <laughs> whatever might hopefully get them 12 points on the board. <laughs> <laughs> Because, uh, good, good grief. Oh, uh, yeah. So I'm with you, though, especially with the Rosen side of it, too, because the worst thing you want to do is be the Giants and not know what you have next year. Like, you don't want to go into next year's draft and be like, oh, we still don't know what we have in Josh Rosen. You want that answer this year. You want to find out. But here's an answer that people don't really know. You like that transition? Oh. Uh, interested to see which receiver you're on because it's the Packers wide receivers. Now, I'm not saying I've been Team Allison the entire time as to being like, oh, look at me. Team Allison could still be wrong. Like, they, but I, I bring this up because it was, if you remember this offseason so far, Marcus, which I'm sure you do, it's one week, it's, hey, Marcus Valdez-Scantlin's getting talked up by Aaron Rodgers. Then in the next week, I forget who it was. I think it was Devontae Adams was talking up Geronimo Allison. Then the next week, a coach was talking Marcus Valdez. And the next week, it's back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And now at least we know Geronimo Allison should be the full-time slot role are you team Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Are you team Geronimo Allison? Or are you just team whoever goes cheapest? Uh, you know what? I am – so this is like a sneak peek into what I'm doing because this week I'm, I'm writing a, a series of pieces on players that you're drafting too late that I think should be going earlier. Ooh, uh, like and, and coming up later this week, it's going to be MVS. Um, you know, maybe it's partially because our first names are sort of similar. I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I think I kind of have bought in on, on, on all the hype of, of, of what he did last year and all the, the people talking him up so far this season. Um, and I think it's going to be an interesting battle because I think the one thing we know from Aaron Rodgers, from the Packers, when that offense is good, like he can support, it can support multiple thousand yard receivers. It can support multiple, you know, top 20, maybe even top 15 wideouts. We saw it with Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson in the past. So the question is, we know Adams is going to occupy one of those spots who's going to be the other one. And so, you know, I, I have been calling their, their collection of other receivers the, the alphabet crew um, between Marquez <laughs> Valdez, Scantling, Geronimo Allison, Equinemius St. Brown, because uh-huh. they, lead, they lead the league in consonants. Um, so, I, you know, but I have, I have sort of thrown my weight behind Marquez Valdez, Scantling. And so he's a guy that I, I'm going to write up a little bit later that, you know, I think, I think he should be going higher in drafts because I just think, I think the opportunity is going to be there for him. But you know what? So like you said, I get into being completely wrong, and it could be Geronimo Allison that everybody is like hyped about by week six. Yeah, it's pretty much it's, we're doing our best guesses here and what we're analyzing. So before we get to the last thing that I wanted to talk about, I got two scenarios I wanted to throw at you. This is basically pick your poison, and the the first one makes more sense than the second one, but they're fun. They're just fun things anyway. So because we brought up the Dolphins and Washington, I want to ask you if I told you you have to pick one of these situations, you either have to start two Washington players every single week, or you have to start four Dolphins every single week. Oh. Which would you rather do? Oh, I think I'd rather stab myself in the ear with a pencil. Um, <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> <sighs> two Washington players or four Dolphins players. I think I'd go with the four Dolphins, to be honest you? with you. <laughs> Is um, it that bad? <laughs> I think so. I mean, because look, look, obviously you heard me earlier talk myself into Kalen Balage. Uh, Kenyon Drake, I think, is still talented. He just never really got opportunities there with Adam Gase at the quarterback spot. You know, I can, I can at least, I can at least hitch my wagon to the bird alert because it could be something fun to tweet every week or something like that. Every time he catches a pass, so that's three. Um, and then, you know, maybe I, I squint really hard and I think that Devontae Parker actually becomes a portion of who we thought he could be. Or I, you know, what I talk myself into like a Mike Gasicki or something like that. Like I, I think I can, I think I can work up. <laughs> 
yeah, I think I can work up enough fake enthusiasm to get to, to, to stomach four dolphins in my lineup. Okay, how about this one then? Would you rather, you have to do one of these two, you have to start your draft girly Fournette, or you have to start your draft and double tap tight end and go Kittle and obviously taking Kelsey in the first? Um, I, I would go to the, the, the two running backs because, you know, I have been on record as saying the Todd Gurley slander has gone way too far. And look, I, and that being said, like, I'm not drafting him in the first round, but like to have him in multiple drafts fall to me at the back half of the, of the second round seems, you know, crazy because I, I have started multiple drafts like McCaffrey and Gurley. And I'm like, this is great. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, and, I, and, and early on, not so much in, in recent drafts, but so, some of the earlier drafts I was doing, like I was, I was pretty happy, you know, having Leonard Fournette fall in my lap somewhere late in the third round. So like in some of my earlier teams, I, I have quite a bit of Leonard Fournette um, and was, was quite okay with it. So I guess because I have sort of, again, talked myself into so, believing you guys are going to be, going to be fine. Um, I would probably go that route. Yeah, you know, sometimes that happens is you find yourself defending players and then you start owning a lot of them because you're like, I've been like, I've defended these guys. And like, <laughs> right, like I stuck up for them. I got yeah. to put my money where my mouth is at this point. All right, last one before we get to the topic that everybody's waiting, waiting for, at least I have been. All right, so this is the last one of your choices you have to make. You either have to take a defense in the eighth round or you can't take a running back until the seventh round. Oof. <laughs> yeah, I... Oh okay. man, that's tough. <laughs> I gotta really think about this one. Yeah, I think I think I would probably go with taking the defense in the eighth round. Um, you know, and, and look, I, I understand that. Uh, yeah, like, you know, I'm I'm not one to just like is is tied to a defense. Like I will, you know, add them, add one, drop one, stream them, what have you, and not necessarily feel married to one. But um, like I don't know that I could sit and wait until the seventh round. You know, the the running back position is just is just it's. There's no depth there. It's very, very top heavy. And by the time you get to round seven, I mean, there's nothing left. There's just nothing left there. So I can't imagine having to wait that long and then try to piecemeal something together. That that seems <laughs> terrifying to me. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Could you imagine? I mean, that's that's the def that's super zero RB. That's super duper zero RB. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a negative RB. Yeah. I was, all right. So what isn't a negative? And this is what we've been waiting for this entire time, because I'm so glad somebody out there is preaching the love for Christian Kirk. And you actually, your tweet is basically saying, it, I'll read it for everybody. So why isn't Christian Kirk getting more love? It's in, involved in the entire article. I've been waiting to have you on the show because I'm going to retweet it today because I saw it yesterday and I was waiting to retweet it today. I have Christian Kirk at 24th, Marcus, and I'm so happy you're out there with me on Christian Kirk. I'm going to open the floor to you and speak of your love for Christian Kirk. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I, what I haven't understood is that everybody seems big on the Cardinals offense. Right. And, and from the moment Cliff Kingsbury got hired and they drafted Kyler Murray, I mean, look, people talk about Kyler Murray in some of their wildest projections as a QB one this year. Right. I mean, you know, I, I, Brad Evans, I love him. His projection for Kyler Murray, like his rushing totals were bigger than Cam Newton when he won the NFL MVP a few years ago, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's insane. Um, but that's the, that's the kind of love this offense is getting. We talk about David Johnson kind of becoming the consensus number five running back at this point. But it throws it at, uh, you know, Andy Isabella and, and Hakeem Butler. And, you know, Larry Fitzgerald just, you know, I think partially on muscle memory and, and name value is still hanging around in the ninth round <laughs> because, you know, he doesn't seem to age all that much. 
I don't understand why there hasn't been more love and more hype for Christian Kirk, why he's sitting in the seventh round in a, in a lot of ADPs, because this is the guy that, you know, ostensibly is the heir apparent as the number one wide receiver in that offense. He's a guy that can stretch the field. He can also run those intermediate routes. He has a familiarity with this air raid offense that, that Kingsbury's bringing in there. Um, you know, he is the guy that I think is going to start absorbing a lot of those wide receiver targets. Why isn't he getting more attention here? And, and I, I just, I don't get it. I think, you know, I think some of the, the, the smarter ahead of the curve folks are, are, are jumping on here, but I just, I think this is one that it, it has baffled me that why it is that everybody else in this offense seems to be getting some sort of bump from what the Cardinals potentially can do. But the guy who, in theory, is going to lead them in wide receiver target isn't quite getting the love. It, it has made me scratch my head. It has made my brain itch, to be honest with you. <laughs> I love that. And I love the fact that in that you brought up the fact that he can succeed outside in the immediate routes because people assumed when he came out of college he was only a slot receiver. And I love the fact that you're bringing up something that I talk about every single year, too, with the projections is I actually wrote in – we all do the same thing, overrated, underrated. You have the underrated coming out. I did overrated. And I said the entire Rams wide receiving crew – and I said, I think that if you look at the trio and you look at the concerns of golf after the buy and it, it, the whole thing about like they're all going very high if they're all inside the top 20, 22 picks. That all being said, and I'm saying this for this reason, because what you just spoke of speaks to this, is that I still had all three of them inside my top 30 because the numbers need to sink. If I have the Rams passing for blank and Jared Goff doing blank, then his receivers need to do blank. And it needs to I can't have like. 500 missing yards and so your <laughs> point is like Kyler Murray if he's going to do this if this offense is going to do this Larry Fitzgerald gets 704 touchdowns or something like that well where's the rest of it it has to go somewhere and that's that was kind of in your point right there is that's what I think people are missing and if it's going somewhere Christian Kirk's the number one yeah I mean it just I don't know it just seems to make sense to me um you know and I think I don't know it just it feels like you said, the numbers, they felt incongruous, right? Like it just hadn't matched up. Like Kyler Murray is going to somehow come in and dominate the world in year one, but none of his wide receivers are going to, to feel the impact. That I mean, that means David Johnson's going to have like a 1900-yard season. Like what are we <laughs> talking about here? And I, and I love DJ, but that, that seems a little bit uh, out of whack to me. So uh, I, I, I mean, I, I wrote that with, uh, you know, kind of a, a bittersweet feeling. And like on the one hand, like I want to promote a player that I think is going to be really good. But at the other hand, like that, that, that hurts me in terms of trying to get a draft discount. On the guy exactly. <laughs> yes. As the, that's the one downside is talking up people too much. And you're like, well, they're, 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 it's out the window. But <laughs> what people should definitely feel good about is making sure they're following you at Marcus G. Make sure they're checking you out on the NFL Network. I am going to retweet your tweet as soon as we're done. Like I said, I was waiting for the moment to make sure you get it out there. Uh, you mentioned the underrated players. What else should people be looking for for you, including your podcast and everything? Uh, yeah, we uh, our podcast right now, we're still once a week. Starting next week, though, uh, we go to twice a week, so you can catch us on Mondays and Wednesdays. Um, yeah, and that also uh, Fantasy Live comes back. We will be online only starting August 12th. We'll do a series of, of kind of training camp shows uh, on NFL.com beginning on August 12th. And then we are officially back on your television screens beginning September 2nd, I believe that's it. Whatever that first Monday in September is. Yes, I know, I keep uh, the same thing. <laughs> that, is, that is the day that we come back to your TV screens. It's, which is good because you guys are on right around the time I work out every single day. So it's like, yeah, I can just watch, oh. watch my buddies at workout nice. time. Nice. Yeah. And then nice. I just yell at the screen about stupid things, but you know, that's whatever. No. <laughs> one of the best in the business, one of the most fun to talk to and be around. Make sure you're following him. And I appreciate you guys. Listen, I'll be back next Wednesday. 
uh, still once a week for me, uh, unlike uh, most of everybody else. So I'll talk to you guys next week and uh, have a good one. <laughs>